0: Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that, and if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You could do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.
1: My name is David. I'm going to be reading the scripture, and it comes from Luke 15 1 through 10. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners. And eats with them. So he told this parable: "Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it?" When he finds it, he said, he lays it — sorry, turning the page — he lays it on his shoulder. And rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that, I'm sorry, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of God.
0: Good morning, y'all. How are you? Thanks for gathering today in our garage sale. Um, did y'all see the furniture? I'm supposed to announce that it's half off if anybody wants any. Um, they had a big rummage sale yesterday. So, uh, My name is Brittany. It's really good to have you here. I'm the pastor of this particular site of UBC and I I'm just feeling the joy of the Lord today. I don't know what's going on. Thanks for being here. Before we get started, let's pray. Holy and gracious God, for the gift of this day, for the gift of the messiness of our lives, that we get to hold as a community together, we give you thanks. Open our eyes and ears and hearts. Open my mouth that all I say and share might be acceptable and holy unto you. Amen. So, the summer before my freshman year in high school, I did what many youth do who have been raised in rural communities. I detasseled corn. Has anybody done this? Yeah. For those of you that don't know what that means, it means you take the uh, one I don't know if it's a female or the male part of one of the pieces of corn and you throw it down and it fertilizes another it makes hybrids of corn um, I didn't even know there were male and female parts of corn but apparently they are so this job is hot it's itchy it requires getting up early in the morning and you hope to be done before the noon heat it is a job that is definitely character building um, and so one day my crew leader told us to spot check four rows of corn at a time. Uh, Someone had already gone through the rows and and detasseled, but we were to go through and just kind of spot check and and make sure that none of the tassels got missed. When we got to the end of the row of corn, we would be greeted by the crew leader he was going to drive on, and he would take us home. So we were going to get out early. It was pretty awesome. So I diligently checked my rows of corn and pulled out every tassel I could find and then I got to the end of the row and discovered that I was completely alone. I guess I was slower than everybody else and so they had long finished their rows, loaded up the truck and left. I didn't need to explore my surroundings, I already knew that I was in the middle of a cornfield mile after mile of fields. There were no towns nearby, there were no homes or buildings nearby. It was nothing but cornfields. And I, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when you're in eighth grade you don't pay attention to where you are. They just drove us somewhere and I had no idea where I was. I was lost. And so panic set in as I played through a hundred possible scenarios of what-ifs. I think the most overwhelming feeling though for me was knowing that nobody was looking for me. Nobody on my crew uh, really, I was quiet, I know that's hard to believe, but I was quiet and hadn't really made any friends. It was people from all sorts of different small towns. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a buddy. So nobody on my crew noticed that I was gone to turn back and look for me. My parents uh, both were at their jobs and assumed that I would be home and would call them later. I was lost and nobody was looking for me. Our scripture passage today reminds us that this actually though is never the case. I'm not talking about getting lost in a cornfield here though, I'm talking about being spiritually lost, right? If we are lost, God is diligently seeking and searching until we can be found. Twice, Jesus tells us today in the scripture, tells us stories first of a shepherd and then of a woman searching and searching and searching until they find and then rejoice with friends. That's the pattern we see. We could have read the third story, which is the story of the lost son, and we see the same pattern, searching, finding, and rejoicing, right? And as I've been reflecting on the, um, as I've been reflecting on this passage this week, I can't help but think that each and every one of us here is a lost sheep or a lost coin who has been found. Many of us grew up in a church, and at one point or another, we wandered off from the fold. Sometimes we left because we were told you don't belong here. Maybe it was our sexuality, or our politics, or our mental health, or our career choices, um, because maybe we were a woman and wanted to be in ministry, right? Or um, maybe it was our tattoos, but whatever the message was, we were told, you don't belong here. Some of us left church because we saw others kicked out, and we thought, I can't be part of that sort of place. I can't be part of such exclusion. And so we are all sort of sheeps in this sheepfold of UVC. I was reflecting on this passage a couple of days ago with some of the leaders in our congregation. We had a vision team. You know how awesome your leaders are by the way? They gathered on a Friday night for our vision team meeting. Isn't that incredible? Go leaders! And I heard over and over again as we were reflecting on this passage that UVC is like the shepherd who um, came out and found you and brought you back into this fold. We have been shepherded here perhaps by the invitation of a friend. We have been shepherded here um, because of what I call Dr. Google or Facebook or Yelp or um, the outreach that we've done at Midsummer Fest or the Pride Parade, we have been shepherded into this safe space of what I'll call the UBC fold, the sheep fold. But it's kind of funny because as as Christians in the 21st century, we actually have this really great positive connotation and idea of what shepherds are, right? we're like, oh yeah, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Oh yeah, there's the 23rd Psalm that says, the Lord is my shepherd. Even though we like have no idea what a shepherd is or does, um, any experience with shepherds, we don't live in any sort of agrarian society. We're like shepherds. <laughs> They're so nice, right? Y'all, y'all feel that, right? Um, we've we've heard it enough that we we think it's good. I've shared this with you before, particularly in. Um, Advent when uh, when we read about shepherds, I forget though, um, and so I have to share this again, um, that in Scripture, in this time, this first century time, shepherds were shiftless. That's shiftless. thieving and trespassing scum, right? During this time, shepherds, they made the rabbi's top four list of most despised trades. I've got a slide up here. Um, So follow with me here. I'm trying to make this fun, okay? So the rabbi's top four most despised jobs. Are you guys ready for them? This isn't, uh, I, I had to order these. It didn't say what was the order, but number four, coming in at number four, shepherds. Most despised trade, right? And number three, sailors. Sorry, Darius. And uh, Patrick, we have two sailors in our congregation. Sorry. <laughs> um, number two, camel drivers. Do we have any of those? No. And coming in, so this is a real thing. Like, w- the rabbis made this list in first century of the four most despised trades. Are you guys ready for this? The number one most despised trade tax collectors. That bit of knowledge makes this scripture passage far more interesting. Because here the Pharisees are grumbling about Jesus spending too much time with tax collectors and sinners, too much time with the most despised people, right? Jesus is spending too much time with them. He is sullying himself by hanging out with the lowest of the low, with the people, who make it on this top four list, right? And so I love what Jesus does with this passage then. Knowing their complaint, Jesus then tells two stories about, as I said, losing, um, searching, finding, and rejoicing. And in both of these stories, both of these parables that we have, God is not a strong, reputable person. God is a despised shepherd, and somebody that didn't even make it onto the list because women were property. An old, poor woman. Not strong in stature, proud God, but an old, poor woman and a despised shepherd. Woo! Jesus, you're messing. In both of these stories, the shepherd and the woman find what they are looking for because they search diligently in every valley in every muddy ditch in every crack in the floor they search and they find and they rejoice and call together neighbors and friends to celebrate the return to celebrate what once was lost but now is found that's y'all that's what we get to do on Sundays Right, We get to celebrate this fold of people. All of these lost sheeps and coins that have been scattered throughout, have been despised, and we come together and we celebrate. We celebrate that we have been found by God, despite our wondering whether it was self-imposed or chosen or maybe a little of both. We join the party that Jesus has thrown in our honor. And we celebrate that, that Jesus, our good shepherd, never stopped looking. And we celebrate that the community gathered here is not just me, a lost sheep, or you, a lost sheep, but it is all of us. All of us have been invited to this party. It is a grand party of sheeps and coins or what other, other image you want to use. That is the truth of this gospel passage today, that we can rejoice today and every day because we have been found and welcomed and embraced into the gospel party. Isn't that good news, y'all? Yes. Thank you, yes. Okay, I'm not done though, sorry. <laughs> That's the good news. And there's the truth that still the majority of Christian churches are not safe spaces for LGBTQ people, right? That my community, that our community, if you identify as LGBTQ, has had to find other places of sanctuary and refuge. Other places like gay bars. They have been, to the LGBTQ community, sheepfolds. They have been a place of safety in hospitality, in a world of hostility, and danger, and malice, right? So last Sunday morning, that place of refuge was violated when a gunman opened fire and killed 49 people before he was killed. And there's many thoughts to share about this, right? Um, And I don't don't have time to do them all today, and y'all are processing in different ways. But the significant thing I want to talk about, as we remember that event a week ago, and we remember the, the anniversary of the event a year ago at Mother Emanuel AME, is that what, one of the things that caused this is hatred, right? racism, homophobia. I, don't, I want to talk about homophobia just a little bit today. I don't know where it came from. We could talk about, that's a whole other conversation, but I know that it is continually reinforced by religion and I know the gunman um, identified as Muslim and I am going to let my Muslim sisters and brothers critique their own religion. I can only critique that which I am a part of, right, and that is the Christian church and there is plenty of homophobia to critique in the Christian church. From what I've read, it sounds like the shooter was severely conflicted and full of self-hatred over his own sexual orientation. Many of you have graciously shared that pain with me as you have tried to live with integrity being out, and I too know all too well that self-hatred, right? In my case, it stemmed not from my family or from friends, but from a church that told me self-avowed and practicing homosexuals are incompatible with Christian teaching. It told me that to be gay was to be on that list of most despised. Right? To be LGBT or Q is to be a tax collector or a sailor or a camel driver or a shepherd. And I didn't want to be despised. So I kept it hidden. Now I'm not much of a bar goer at this point in my life especially, but in my 20s I, y'all, I was just amazing out all the time. Um, (laughs) You laugh because you would be so excited to see that. I still remember going to my first gay bar. Uh, it was down in Nashville at Connections. Does anybody been to Connections down in Nashville? Rest in peace. I hear it's closed. Um, my first drag show, right, in Champaign Urbana, Chester Street. Any U of I folks? And uh, down in Atlanta, my sister's room. It's legendary. Nobody, no, y'all don't go to gay bars? What's up? They don't card you at the door. Even if you're straight, you can go. (laughs) I can't describe the safety that I felt in these places. I could be myself. No hiding. Just relaxing fully into me. It was a sheepfold for I was lost." See, the gay bar has been this place of seeking and finding and rejoicing. And so last Sunday morning, that safe place, a place of refuge, was terrorized by a man who was internally terrorized with self-hatred. He murdered 49 beautiful children of God. The majority of the victims were people of color, 23 were Puerto Rican, 49 people he killed, and because he died, 50 casualties altogether. I say that very deliberately. His life was lost because of homophobia too. 50 people whose lives were lost because of ignorance and fear and hatred. 50 lives lost because we have chosen to view this world through boundaries and deciding who's in and who's out, instead of viewing this world through the gospel of grace. So we gather in this space today. It's supposed to be celebratory, you know, we're all part of the sheepfold. But we also gather in this space today full of grief and remembering the lives that were lost all too soon because of violence and hatred and exclusion. Grief, it's complex. Did anybody know someone at the Pulse shooting? So there is a grief in knowing that. And then there is a grief not knowing anyone and yet still grieving community, loss of life. Grieving and thinking life is fleeting. Remembering and realizing that it could have been us. It could have been here in Boys Town. Grieving because there is just still so much hatred in this world and fear. And so we gather today in grief, and yet we also... I know this sounds weird. We we can hold these two things together. We gather in grief and we gather in hope. Because we are Jesus' people. We are people of resurrection. So we have hope in resurrection. We have hope that the power in this moment is to witness to God's extravagant love. That we have power to be able to continue to witness to God's extravagant love. We gather in hope that With great abandon, we can continue to seek out, y'all know people who are lost, who are searching. We can continue to seek out the lost and the lonely, those who have been told they are despised, and we can throw an elaborate party rejoicing when we find them. We gather here in hope because once we have been found, We know we can't help but share that with others. Hope. So there's so many stories to read about this incident. and um, Man, I could go on and on, but one that really, truly caught my attention was about the reflections of this Orthodox rabbi in D.C., Last week, I don't know if many of you know, but our Jewish sisters and brothers celebrated Shabbat, which is the giving of Torah. And it is a a, a joyous occasion. And our Orthodox sisters and brothers um, do not work during this time. And so there's no internet use, there's no travel. And so they gathered on Sunday and discovered the news, and the rabbi announced that that Monday night, when Shabbat was over at 9.17 p.m., as the sunset, they would go as an act of solidarity. They would travel to a gay bar, and um, and be with the LGBT community. They were seeking to share that they were all in tremendous pain and couldn't go on living their lives as normal. Though this festival was is supposed to be a joyous occasion, there was an undercurrent of sadness as they continued their prayers in the synagogue. Now, the closest gay bar happened to be one that is frequented by African-Americans. So if you can picture about a dozen Orthodox Jews wearing their kabat and and walking up to the bar just after sunset went down, it sounds like the line of an opening joke, the opening line of a joke, does it not? The mother of the rabbi goes up to a man who's standing near the door and she explains why they are there. He breaks down in tears and shares that his cousin was killed at Pulse. He embraces the group and welcomes them into the bar. Connections are made. Oh, my, ki- my stepkids were bar mitzvahed at your, your synagogue. Other connections were made. And eventually the, the bartender kills the music, shuts off the music. And the crowd becomes silent as this group, this dozen group of Orthodox Jews offer words and prayer of healing one of the rabbis lights some memorial candles that they they turned the bar into a memorial place lights some candles then everyone in their bar grabs a shoulder of someone around them and they sang these soulful tunes that beautiful and then one of the congregants bought everybody in the bar a round of beer (laughs) The congregation continued to the makeshift memorial at DuPont Circle. And people continued to come up to them and embrace them and thank them for being there and they would sing with them in Hebrew. The rabbi looked over at some of his gay congregants and he saw tears flowing down their faces. The rabbis, they too were on this journey of seeking and finding and rejoicing in the community that they had formed. Here's what he said about the experience. I learned that when a rabbi and members of an Orthodox synagogue walk into a gay African-American bar, it is not the opening line of a joke, but an opportunity to connect. It is an opportunity to break down barriers and come together as one. It's an opportunity to learn that if we are going to survive, we all need each other. Isn't that beautiful? Today we rest confident that we can trust in the Good Shepherd who is seeking and finding and rejoicing with a party. Today we stand strong knowing that we are better to go at this life together in a sheepfold than to wander off on our own. Today, all of us together join the party, the party letting everyone know that God is always, 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 always faithful to you and to me and to every child of God that is in this world. Amen.